Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome, and, and thank you so much for joining us. It's a, it's a real privilege to have you here uh, with us this morning. We finished up a series on the will of God. That was uh, last week with uh, my son Mitch when he preached on that one. I encourage you, uh, all of our messages are on YouTube, so subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can go catch up on everything. Grab your Bible, push stop or pause on the pastor and look the things up and, and, uh, and get into the Word of God because the Word of God changes things. I remember once uh, when I used to drive to Tulsa Airport, way back was a job I had at Bible College. So I drove this limousine. I'd be always dropping people off and pick, picking people up from Tulsa Airport. And uh, one of my all-time heroes happened to be uh, just getting off of a flight. His name is T.L. Osborne. If you're, if you're ancient, you know who that is. If you knew, you probably wouldn't. But he used to have mass crusades. And I mean, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in paddocks in Mexico and Indonesia and Africa and India. And he was just an incredible uh, mass crusade evangelist. And here he was, and I was gobstruck. You ever met somebody or seen somebody that was like a hero or celebrity, and you're like, it's just kind of me and him, and uh, people getting off the flight. He's waiting to get picked up, and I'm there to pick somebody up. And so I was just like, oh, no, what do I do? Here he is. He's my hero. <laughs> so I walked over to him, and as you do, sometimes when you're nervous, you say things, kind of maybe you think about it later. Why did I say that for? But anyway, I just said to him, I said, man, Brother Osborne, I said, uh, I said God really honors boldness because he's so bold. And he, he said this to me, he goes, no, he says, God honors his word. And I thought to myself, wow, how profound, like seriously. That's why we preach the word of God. That's why we have podcasts. We've got a YouTube channel. All of these things are so that you can get into the word of God and the word of God will build faith in your life and that faith will change the world. Amen. Well, this morning, I've called this morning's message, Never Enough. Never enough. And I trust that uh, before the end of this message that you'll know what I'm talking about uh, when I make that declaration, never enough. I was raised uh, in different places. And one of the places was Blue Collar, a place called Melvindale. It was near the Ford factory. You could see the stacks and it was full of smog and everything else from coming out of the factory. And then when Dad would get remarried, when Dad would get married, rather, I'd move from my aunt and uncle's place in Melvindale to a place called Seal, which means Big Island, which is downriver from Detroit, which is a very affluent place, uh, a lot of upper class, very rich people, I might add. Not everybody, but quite a bit of wealth there. And so I saw the kind of two um, different worlds, the middle class blue collar neighborhood, where everybody's, uh, uh, as we would say here in Australia, you know, they're, ba they're a battler. They're just bat battling, always battling. And then I'd see the other side where they're not battling. I'd go over and spend time on my buddy's dad's yachts. Uh, you know, there's a, a yacht club there. And, and so I saw both, both ends of it. But one of the things that I did see growing up was a scarce mentality that there's never enough. There's not enough to go around. There's uh, not enough food in the world, we're going to run out. There's not enough water in the world, we're going to run out of water. There's not, <laughs> there was never enough of anything. And it developed this scarcity mentality. 
And more than not, in the blue-collar neighborhood, uh, it's kind of like rich dad, poor dad kind of a thing, but in the blue-collar neighborhood, everybody kind of had the short end of the stick there. They walked around with, uh, I've just been dealt uh, not very good cards in life, and, and they just walked around with a, a short end of the stick, victim, uh, never enough scarcity mentality. Well, I was really really excited when I began to explore God's Word, and I, and I found that in the Word of God, there's a name for God. It's one of seven covenant names for God in the Hebrew language, and, and it's, the, uh, it's the word used in Psalm 91, verse 1. Uh, you probably would know this by memory. I memorized it out of the King James Version, which gets me in trouble when we throw up the uh, New International Version, which, is, which will come up now. But uh, the old King James says this, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And that word Almighty in the Hebrew language is El Shaddai. And El Shaddai, El Shaddai means this, it means the God who is more than enough or the all-sufficient one. In other words, he doesn't run out. If you're from England, we've got some England people here. He's not short of a quid. I, or, or old Aussie, I think he said that too. Not short of a quid, mate. Like, uh, our God's not, he's not scarce on anything. He's a God of more than enough. There, are, uh, there is, rather, a great institution that is no longer, well, let me put it this way, it's become more rare and scarce, especially here on the Sunshine Coast where we live. And uh, this great institution, I used to frequent it a, a lot. I frequented it most Sundays after uh, a service. We would go there. And there were two that are no longer here. They've, they've ripped them down and uh, built more modern buildings on, on the site. And the great institution I'm talking about is the all-you-can-eat buffet. If you know what I'm talking about, say amen. Uh, there used to be Sizzler. That's gone. That kind of wasn't in the same league with these two. The Boularong was one of them, and the Rolling Surf. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Uh, the Rolling Surf was right there uh, on the beach at Caloundra. The surf would roll in. You look out the window as you're just dining sumptuously at the table. And then the Boularong, that's gone, but that was a great feat as well. And I used to love it there because there was more <laughs> than enough. There was so much, seriously, that at the end of it, it was like couldn't hardly walk out the door after all that food. I mean, there was roast beef, roast pork, roast turkey, roast chicken, all the fish that you could think of. Uh, the seafood buffet was incredible. There was Morton Bay bugs, which if you don't know what I'm talking about, it's kind of like a lobster tail. Uh, just mm, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Fish of every kind, salads. It's about lunchtime in another hour here. Uh, so, you know, I'm just kind of getting you ready for that. <laughs> and every kind of salad, fruit salads and salads and, uh, and the dessert bar. I mean, now we're, now we're talking. I mean, there was blueberry cobbler, apple cobbler, every kind of mousse and, uh, you know, all kinds 
uh, of every kind of dessert and ice cream. Oh, the ice cream, many different forms of ice cream, whatever your delight was. But there was something about the all-you-can-eat buffet that, that I noticed. People were extremely happy there. I found it amazing because I like to go in there for the food, don't get me wrong, but one of the highlights was the laughter. People sitting around the table, <laughs> you just like, what are you guys laughing at? What is so funny? Nothing. Another thing I noticed about the all-you-can-eat buffet was that nobody quarreled or nobody was rude there because there was more than enough. And I found this, that people don't fight in buffets. They don't have to. So, so you get in, you go, you, you kind of meet, you know, at the beginning of the, uh, the assembly line <laughs> of where you're going to get your plate and your food, and, and somebody else happens to get there at the same time. So no, you go first. No, 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 you, I insist, you go first. It's like, who cares? Your, your eyes would go up over, it just like there's buckets full of prawns. There's shrimp if you're in America. There's, there's, there's salad, there's copious amounts here for everybody. We don't have to fight over this. What's the hurry? In fact, I would try to slow down because it's like, man, I get into this too quickly and, and then I'm full. I can't eat anymore and I don't enjoy the whole thing. So it's like I'm slowing down and everybody's polite. Everybody's laughing. It's just the best time. And there's something about when there's more than enough or whatever it is, I don't have to think about me. I can think about thee, everybody. More than enough is a great way to live. Now the question that I want to pose, and again, the title of this message is never enough. Doesn't sound really like it fits, but the question is, is there never enough? Or I could put it this way, when is enough not enough? When is enough not enough? I, I, I look at scriptures and, and reading through, and we're going to look at a few scriptures this morning, but uh, reading through the scriptures, uh, I come to this conclusion that there is more than enough, but yet we have to define what enough is. And, and never enough, or there's not enough, or enough isn't enough if we don't get satisfied personally. In other words, if I went to the buffet and we ran out of food, and I maybe, you know, I needed it to, to lose a bit of weight, but if there wasn't enough to, for me to be satisfied or, or enough for me to get full, let me put it that way, then, then it's never enough. It's not enough. And I thank God that God will always provide for us and make sure that we have enough for us to get satisfied, whether that's food or uh, certainly his presence or whatever. The Almighty, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one, he's always enough. And there's always a guarantee when you go to him that you're going to get enough. And um, listen to this scripture here, Josh, John 10.10. 10. Enough is not enough until you have enough. John 10.10, 10, this is Jesus talking. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Here's why Jesus came. I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. God wants you to have enough 
for yourself to be satisfied or to be full. Psalm 36, 8. They feast on the abundance of your house. Thank God that he has a house. It's called the church. They feast on the abundance of the house. You give them drink from your river of delights. One of the problems that I've discovered just in church life, uh, being a Christian now for up to decades, one of the things I've discovered is that most people don't have a problem with God is able. Is God able to provide? Most people would say, absolutely, he's God. People don't have a problem with God's ability. Where they fall short is where they doubt God's willingness. Well, I know that he's able, and it's good that he provides enough for you and your household and, and, and all these, these people over here, but when it comes to me, oh, I just don't know. And we switch from a God is more than enough and God wants to bless you and he came to give you abundant life into some kind of an abstract thinking where, yeah, he does that for the other guy, the lucky one. And again, it goes back to the same kind of thinking that I experienced back in Melvindale, outside of Detroit. Well, you know, I don't know. I'm not one of the lucky ones. I'm always the one that gets the short end of the stick. You know, there's not enough food. There's not enough water. There's not enough land in this world. There's not enough energy. There's not enough. And God provided for those wonderful people over on Grosio with their yacht club and their mansions and everything else. But then I look at poor little Melvindale, little tiny houses, alleyways, smog, Run-down car. Well, we didn't have run-down cars. There's always enough for a muscle car. i got to take that back. We had good cars in Melvindale, for sure. <laughs> it was like the 60s and 70s muscle cars. But people had doubts that God was willing to even provide. And I find that today. Or we will relegate provision and overflowing enough to, yeah, that was, that was yesterday. That was so good that God did that back then. And, and I hope that God will do it tomorrow. So if you said you think that God's going to provide, well, he did. He did it for uh, Israel coming out of Egypt. And he did it for the fish and the loaves. And he did it for the fishermen casting their nets. And he, and he did it for all these people thousands of years ago. And he did it to the past generation. But is he going to provide for you? Present tense. You watching online and where you're sitting right now. Well, I hope so. We need to turn our hope so into, of course. Uh, I, I love going to Russia. Not so much now, but, you know, back in the day. <laughs> and one of the most frequent things I'd hear in English, that when they'd speak English, I'd say, I'd ask a question, and the most common reply was, of course, of course. Are we going to uh, get picked up at 10 o'clock? Of course. Are we going out to lunch? Of course. Of course. Is God going to provide all your needs? I hope so. Turn your hope so into of course. God is not only able. Everybody believes that pretty well. God's able. If you believe in God. But he's willing of course he will. He says that. It's a promise in his word. 
See, it's easy to see that God provided in the past or he will in the future how hard it is to believe that God will provide for me now. Enough isn't enough until you're satisfied. Enough isn't enough until there's more than enough. Listen to Proverbs 3.10. These are all promises. I, I really encourage you, dive into God's Word, write these things down, memorize them, repeat them out loud, hear your voice saying this. Proverbs 3.10, then your barns will be filled. Not just filled. They will be filled to, come on, overflowing. And your vats will brim over with new wine. Get rid of that scarcity mentality, short end of the stick. Psalm 65, 11, you crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. That's our God. Amen. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you. Got that. I'm full when I walk out of that buffet. May the God of hope Fill you. I hope that you are filled when you walk out of the house of God this morning. May the God of hope fill you with all joy. There's no place for you to walk out of here with sour on your face because God's presence is here and where his presence is, there is fullness of joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. If you don't have peace right now, you are in the right place because he will give you perfect peace if you'll get your mind upon him. That's why the preacher preaches the word. And peace as you trust in him. Not in your bank account, your job, or whatever else you got going. Here's the why. So that you may, come on, here's, a, here's that word again. Overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever seen a need and you just felt really almost hopeless because you didn't have the resources to meet that need? I, I Again, going back to Russia, I remember I was in St. Petersburg and got invited to, uh, to preach at this, the biggest Pentecostal movement in Russia. And quite unlikely that this preacher would get that opportunity, but I did. And it was at the Tsar's Palace, former Tsar's Palace. It was opulence everywhere. And, and you know, I was the guest speaker, the key speaker, actually. And, and I'm, I'm like sitting there thinking, man, I pinch in myself. This is incredible. And, and a friend of mine, Ken Sherwell, was along with me at the time. And, you know, both of us were just, this is crazy, isn't it? Like, you know, we're in this apartment, we're getting caviar for breakfast, which I spit out because I didn't like caviar. <laughs> the, the lady that was looking after us caught me spitting it out and abused me in Russian, but it doesn't matter. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I'm pinching myself. Walked outside into the winter, February, freezing cold. And here's this poor woman. I don't know, she looked like she was in her 80s. Her knuckles and her hands, she must have had really bad arthritis. Her her hands, her knuckles were gigantic, and she's there. She's got this little box, and it's got a variety of vegetables in it, but they're all rotten. Like stuff that you would just, I'm not eating that. And she's trying to sell it just to make a few rubles. And rubles are worthless, even in their heyday. They're, you know, a few cents on the dollar. She's trying to get some rubles. And I, oh, man. I'm looking at her, and, I, and, I, and my, my heart just sank. And I had 
whatever, however many rubles in my pocket. So I gave those rubles to her, and she wanted to give me the whole box. I'm like, no, no, no. You keep the box. But then I went from her and looked at other people there, and, and just this hopeless feeling, this, this feeling of, I can't meet your need. I, I, I'm not here long enough, and I don't have as, enough rubles in my pocket. And, and just this, this feeling of absolute despair coming over me. Have you ever had that? When you, you look at somebody, maybe, maybe it's a sick person. I don't know. Maybe somebody that's discouraged and, and, and battling with depression, which is just as real as something on the outside, what's going on on the inside. And, and, and looking at, at life situations and real people and real life and realizing I don't have the resources to help those people. I hate that. One of the things I've determined is to get resources into God's church because there's such a big job. There's so much need out there to activate God's people because God needs an army of people that are active, not people hiding the gifts, sitting on the gift, coming up with excuses, looking at the news and go, oh, well, I don't know what to do. I guess we just got to nuke the whole thing and start over again. I think God's got another plan for the whole thing. And that's the church. It's for his people to rise up. But we're insignificant. Uh, I could never see that happen. Well, you've got to see that happen. You have to see that the power of God is resident, not just on you, but a whole bunch of other people. Let's get active because that's God's plan A. There is no plan B. It's not governments. It's not the armies. It's not the Air Force. They've tried that over the years. People die. God's out to save people. And it starts with the hearts. With the heart. It's all about the heart. Right now we've got the biggest opportunity probably since I've been alive. We have the biggest opportunity right now to get the gospel into places where it was shut off. Now we can get the gospel in there because God has given you enough, but you need more than enough because there's never enough. That's the title of the message. God is more than enough. So how much is enough for me? How much do I really need? How, how much was enough for the boy with the fishes and loves? I think about that kid. He's got the, I don't know what it was, two fish or three loves or whatever it was. It's a multitude. There's like two accounts of that. One multitude, there's like 5,000, just the, the, the men alone. Another one, I think it was 3,000. This kid's got this lunch. There was enough for him. Plenty. His mom packed a nice lunch. Eat the fishes, son, and, and the loaves. He had enough for himself, but he didn't have enough for the need, for the multitudes, until God touched it. And when God touched it, he multiplied it. And when God multiplied it, guess what? There was more than enough. They collected 12 baskets afterwards for, for people to take doggy bags, bags home. You can't do that at the buffet, however, but, you know, you, you can, you, there's more than enough in God's economy. How much, is, how much do I really need? How much was enough for the boy? How, how, I don't think Jesus needed more wine at the wedding probably had a glass or a cup or whatever your theology on drinking, I don't know. But anyway, you know, whether it was grape juice or alcohol, wine, you can debate that another day. But he had, he, he had enough for himself. He didn't have to multiply it. But what was he thinking about? He was thinking about all those guests at the wedding. And he turned that water, all those pots of water, he turned it 
into wine, and it was the best wine. He had enough for himself. So what is enough for you? And does enough mean that there is enough for just you or enough for you and someone else? Maybe enough for you and the multitudes. My, my uh, vision for this message, my goal is to increase our faith. Get, get us off this page of, oh, you know, so-and-so, he's got a big house and a car. Oh, man. God, help us if that's our talk. You see, enough, enough is never enough until everyone has enough. Until your enough spills over into someone else's not enough, you don't have enough. Luke 6, 38. Give, give, and it will be given to you, not just what you gave. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap for the measure you use will be the measure it would measure back to you. One of my summer jobs going to college before BC before I was a Christian was working at a chemical factory for one summer. And, and uh, a lot of the chemicals we had at the factory, we had liquid chemicals and we had uh, powder. And the powder, most of those chemicals were caustic. A lot of it was soap, but we had these big drums and, and you'd pull a lever and the, and the the powder would come out of a chute and it'd come into the drum. And then you'd have to weigh the drum. It was on a scales. And pull the chute, and the thing's full. And it's not up to the, the weight that it had to reach. And these are big drums. They're like 55-gallon uh, containers. And I said to the guy, I said, the thing's full, and it's only half the weight. And he goes, yeah, you've got to put more in. I'm, well, I can't put any more in. Look, it's full. And then he pushes this button, and the, the, the platform that the, the big drum is sitting on starts to shake. <laughs> and pretty soon, you see the, the powder starting to go down in the drum. And then he goes, now pull the chute, put more in. So pull the chute, put more in. And he pushes the shake, and I watch the weight go up. And before long, we, we hit the minimum weight, so that's enough. And there was still more room left over for more powder if we wanted to put more powder in it. And when God says, give, and it will be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, come on, shaken together, and running over, shall God put back into your lap when you give into his kingdom. You're not going to get short on the deal. God's got more than enough to go around. There is not a scarcity of God's supplies from anything. We just have to get it through our thick heads. I see people fighting. What's, what are world wars and all the fighting, even churches fighting, fighting, fighting. Why do they fight? Because they got a scarcity mentality. I'm not going to get enough. There's not enough for, for me and you. Get back. People don't fight at the buffet. When you look out and you see there's more than enough, it's like, please, you go first. I'm not worried about it. Offering time, yep, absolutely. I'm giving into that cause. Oh, I don't know if I do that. I'm not going to have enough. We got to shake that. Philippians 4.19. This is a great one. And my God will meet all your needs. He'll, He'll make sure you have enough. 
And my God will meet all your needs. How? According to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Last time I checked, the riches of God's glory is pretty immense. Just look at what his hands created when you look out into the night sky. Just get out there on the beaches around here and just look out into the ocean. I don't see a shortage of water. I don't see a shortage of sand. I don't see a shortage of stars in the sky. And my God will meet all of your needs. He'll make sure you have enough according to his riches in glory. 1 Timothy 5.8 Anyone who does not provide for the relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse <laughs> than an unbeliever. Oh, let that sink in because we want to throw that off on other people. But let's just put that on God for a moment. See, God's got a household. We've talked about it. You've heard about it. His house is the house of faith. You're sitting in it right now. You're part of it, even when you leave here. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives. Are you a brother? Are you a child of God? If you haven't yet, you will get a chance to do that, to come into the family of God. Are you a relative of God? Are you a son, a daughter? Do you have brothers and sisters? Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. When you, when you think that God's not going to provide and your giving reflects that and your attitude reflects that and your generosity reflects that, then you are basically saying, God, you're worse than an unbeliever because you, you're not going to provide. This isn't a buffet. We're back to a la carte, little tiny big plates and little portions. God has a household, the household of faith. To say that he doesn't provide for his relatives and his household is to say God has denied the faith. During a time of slavery in America, there was a mother and her 16-year-old daughter went to the auction block to be auctioned off as a slave. It's a true story. It's documented. And the mother, as you would, as the daughter's being separated from her mother and the mother's crying out, 16-year-old daughter, put on the auction block. All these people are going to bid for her. What a, what a horrible, frightening thing. And the mother prayed this prayer. She said, God, if you are in trouble like I'm in trouble, and I had the ability to provide like you have the ability to provide. I would provide for you. God, if you were in trouble like I'm in trouble and I had your ability, I would provide for you. She prayed that prayer. And there was a U.S. senator there. This, this is documented. His 10-year-old son saw the mother, saw the daughter, saw what was going on. He said, Dad, can I borrow $10 off of you? $10 back, you know, in the 1860s was a chunk of money. But usually these slaves would go, especially her, for about $200. And the dad said, okay, 
gave him the 10 bucks. He ran up to the auction block where the bidding was going to start, put up the $10 and said, I'm, I'm buying this, this, this girl. And everybody there looked at that. They stopped. They didn't start the bidding. They just stopped. They were stunned. And they gave him the bill of sale. And he took it. And he took the girl by the hand, led her back to her mother, and said, there's your daughter. When you see God as not your provider, maybe not even enough for you to have enough and be satisfied and be full, then you have misjudged the character of El Shaddai, the Almighty One. We have to lift up our eyes in faith and get our eyes off the ground. The short end of the stick scarcity mentality has to go when you get the nature of God. God loves you unconditionally. God is unconditionally for you. God is abundantly and above more than you could even ask or think. God is not worse than an infidel and unbeliever by not providing for his family. We need to turn, I hope so, into, of course. Of course he will. I'd love to do the whole 91st Psalm, but I won't. But I'll just, well, I will. I'll just quickly, quickly. I'm not going to preach out of it. But quickly, I will say, we, we did verse 1. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, and God who I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Verse 4. He will cover, protect you with feathers. Under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks the darkness, nor plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift up your hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion, the cobra. You will trample on great lions and serpent because he loves you, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him or her. I will be with him or her in trouble. I will deliver him or her. I will honor them. I will, with long life, I will satisfy him or her. I will show him or her my salvation, saith the Lord. Come on, church. If you're taking notes, number four, enough isn't enough until you have exhausted God's enough. <laughs> God's nature is more than enough, which means he's always more than enough in every situation. God created the stars in the sky, more than enough. The oceans, I already talked about the plants, the animals, the fish. God turned water into wine, more than enough. God fed the 5,000 with more than enough, much left over. God made more than enough fire for Elijah to burn the, the sacrifice in the altar at Mount Carmel. There was more than enough water to drown the Egyptians as they came after God's army. More than enough time for Joshua to defeat the, the Amorites. God stopped the sun in the sky, the whole solar system, to give them enough time. God is the God of plenty, more than enough. He is El Shaddai. How much do I need? How much do you see? How much need do you see? That's how much you need. 
with God. Do I ever have enough? What am I lacking? Is God enough for me? Or is there something lacking in him that would be lacking in me? Oh, if I only had. See, whatever you're bringing down is what God wants to fill you up. Whatever you think you've got a lack of, you could fill in the blank right now. The all-sufficient one wants to be your all-sufficiency. God Almighty is more than enough. We're going to close with this scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. Oh, man, this is one. Put this to memory, please. And God is able. We know that. Is he willing, though? And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love that. Our God is more than enough. I want you to stand to your feet if you're here right now. I want you, if you're listening in, uh, on, online or watching this, you might want to stand up for this because I'm about to pray down heaven upon your life. And I believe that our God is not only going to fill you with enough to satisfy you, but he's going to overflow in your life so that you can become the portion for the other people and the needs that you see. Come on, church. Let's get our eyes off ourselves. Let's start to thank God that we've got purpose in this life. I wrote a book. It's out in the foyer. It's called Rich Men Ken. People go, oh, can what? Can do a lot of things that you can't do if you don't have money. Feed a lot of people, build a lot of hospitals, send a lot of missionaries. You can do a lot. We need to believe for a lot more than us four and no more. We, we need to believe that God is not limited. Therefore, I'm not going to limit to God in my prayer life, in my, in my, my, my faith, in my, my giving. I'm going to see the unlimited El Shaddai more than enough. And I'm going to step out in faith. And if we all do that, we are going to take and put a big dent in the devil's kingdom in this world. Amen. Come on, church. Come on. Father, I just thank you for every person that's here, everybody that might be watching online. I thank you right now that whatever we're seeing that doesn't reflect your sufficiency, whatever we're looking at in our life that freezes us up from being generous enough to overflow into other people's lives, whatever it is that we don't see we got enough. Lord, give us a buffet mentality right now. There is more than enough. We're not going to fight in line, quibble about the theology over it. The Word of God is clear. I could have read uh, uh, about a zillion other scriptures that where God's more than enough. Believe me, there's a lot in there that we didn't even touch. God's Word is clear. So why don't you make a course correction right now in your heart and get out of that stingy, short, short of the stick mentality and start to overflow and explode. Start to see the vision. Start to see the vision of this church, raising gener the, uh, gracing the nations, the ability of God on the nations and, and, and the mission of our church, how we're going to get there. Raise generations, reaching nations. Start to see that I've got a gift. It might just be saying hi to somebody. I don't know. <laughs> it's not about me. 
I'm going to use my gift, and God will pour more in as I do that. Start to see a lost world out there. People are hopelessly lost. They're full of fear and despair right now. They don't know what's going to happen. God wants you to not just be filled, but to overflow and spill over. He wants your enough to spill into somebody's not enough in your world. If we join forces together, we can do a lot. We can start a revolution of overflow that reaches out into this world. And where it goes, I don't know, but I'm excited about it. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ and you're here right now or you're watching online, it's going to lead you in a simple prayer. And uh, if you just repeat this after me and believe this in your heart, the Word of God says you shall be saved. Everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord says will be saved. No matter what you've done or wherever life finds you right now, you will be saved. So I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord right now. So say this out loud with me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for saving me, for not condemning me, but seeing me as your son or your daughter is valuable. Jesus, come into my heart. Thank you right now for saving me. Now right now, Father, I thank you. His eyes are opened to the vastness of the need of this world, that our eyes would also be open to the vast resources that you have, both intangible and tangible in every area, Lord. It's huge. God wants to prosper people in their businesses, on your job. He just wants you to free up your faith and get out of doubt and unbelief. Get out of I hope so until, of course, of course, of course he will. Of course he will. Of course. See yourself overflowing, overflowing, more than enough. God's vast resources. Father, I thank you. Let them spill over into this congregation and those watching online. And I thank you for it now. And everybody said in the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.